0: In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful, I testify that there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave and messenger. Concerning the misconceptions of the Quranites concerning uh, related to the Sunnah. Uh, we'll take the last one which is the seventh misconception and it is summarized as follows that the Quran, the noble Quran incited us to unite and to reconcile the Ummah and unify its ranks and to remove all impediments uh, standing in the way uh, against this objective so all unification is something of an is is a noble objective, and therefore there should be an elimination an elimination of everything that stands as an impediment facing this unification, and they consider the sunnah. They call it the dispersed Sunnah, quote unquote, and the Hadith as the plot, the conspiracy against Islam and Muslims. Some of them said, one of their founders said that the disagreement amongst Muslims and their uh, disunity cannot be solved and they cannot attain a unified way of thinking as long as they hold court to riwayat Zayd wa Amr to the narrations of Zayd and Amr to the narrations of such and such and Darwiz one of their infamous readers he said that the sanctification of these books meaning the books of Sunnah exceeded all human perceptions despite the fact meaning the fact to him that this is part of an amazing conspiracy aimed at Islam and its people and that he said that the authors or the compilers of the six books of hadith are only part of this conspiracy and the response will be as follows. Number one, their misconception therefore is of two types, of two elements. That the Sunnah is a reason for disunity in the Muslim ranks because of its various rulings. And that if we eliminate its holiness, from the hearts of the Muslims, then they would unite and they will be under one banner. Second, is that the Sunnah itself is an amazing conspiracy. Refuting the first point, we say that if the elimination of the Sunnah if the elimination of the Sunnah, if it's to be part of the Deen, such that it will unify the Qur'anites alone, those who call for its elimination, then we would see the Qur'anites united. And they wouldn't have so many disputing groups emerging in a limited period of time and there would have have been no disparity and discord in the opinions of their leaders. Take for example the issue of Salah as a real example. Amongst them, there are those who say that salah is to be performed five times, others say four, still others say three, another says two, in the day and the night, and each one of these opinions claiming that this is the salah in the Quran, as to their disagreements concerning its particularities the manners of ruku and such then you can say as much as you can it's plentiful and as to the second part that the sunnah is an amazing conspiracy bringing disunity to the ummah it is to be said why don't we take the sayings of those who are much lesser in rank than the prophet qualified with disparity and disagreement and splitting as it is the case amongst the Quranites, and we take and say that in itself that this is an impediment to the unity of Muslims, a real impediment. Here, their claim that these books of Sunan constitute conspiracies because, as one of them said, of the presence of weak and fabricated narrations in some of them, and to others in all of them, depending on whom you deal with. They forget the fact that the narrators of these books made it clear in their books the narrators from A till the Prophet or till the companion or till the successor so they didn't hide anything concerning who were the narrators and not only that But many of them made judgments on many of these narrations, classifying them as either Sahih or weak. And if this reflects anything, it reflects their honesty. something which it stands in on its own as a refutation of being a conspiracy honesty cannot be a conspiracy they came with the opinion that attributing the sunnah to the Prophet is not a certain matter and since According to them, it is not a certain matter, therefore it cannot be taken as a source for legislation and one of the sources or the foundations of Deen. They claim that such uncertainty arose due in their opinion, for the delayed documentation of the Sunnah, in addition to the absence of trustworthiness in the transmitters. This, all of what you are hearing, this is their claims. These are their claims. They cite in their books what could be summarized as follows, number one, that the documentation of the Sunnah did not take place until the third century after Hijra, and that its documentation did not follow. Recording something that was written earlier. And that the natural weakness of the human memory concerning transmission. And thirdly, the mixing of the hypocrites with the believers and the incapability of distinguishing them. and from the things which they also raised, is that the emotions of the muhaddithin of people of hadith, interfered in the authentication of the sunnah, or rejecting, accepting or rejecting parts of it. In response, all of them, all of these matters combined, led them to the belief that, number one, the Sunnah cannot be taken as a legislative source, and thirdly, that it is a conspiracy. In response to the first point, no one who really is acquainted with the sources of Islamic knowledge, and particularly with the knowledge concerning the documentation of the Sunnah, Would come to know for sure that it is affirmed that the documentation took its way during the life of the Prophet. And we examined this earlier. The Prophet documented part of his sunnah, his ways of treaties and letters to the kings and leaders. As well as to the amounts per training to what constitutes the thresholds for zakah. In addition to the documentation by some of the companions, parts of the Sunnah, like that written by Abdullah bin Amr ibn al As. And his book was referred to as Al Sadiqa, Al sahifah was referred to as a sabiqah, and that of Abu Huraira as well, and Sumra bin Jundub, whom Ibn Sa'rin mentioned that his sahifa, the sahihah of Sumra bin Jundub, kathir, comprised much knowledge. Similarly, that of Saad bin Ubadah Abdullah bin Abi Awfa Abdullah bin Mas'ud May Allah be pleased with all of them All of these evidences Gives us a clear picture Concerning the Documentation of the Sunnah During the time of the Prophet And during the time of the carriers of his deen The early carriers of the deen The companions Then Carrying this task By the successors like Al Hassan al Basri and Makhul Shami, Qais bin Saad, Hammam bin Munabbih, Waz Zuhri, and many. Then after them came the Imam of Dar al hijra Imam Malik of Medina, and the Imam Muhammad bin Idris al Shafi'i, and Imam Ahmad. And then came Al Bukhari, the Imam of the Hadith. Imam al muhaddithin and his company. And during the, the era of those, it was distinguished as the era of checking and investigating. Contrary to what the Quranites claim, alaykum as-salam, wa barakatuh, Contrary to what the Quranites claim that the era of documentation the early era of documentation to them is that of Bukhari and Ahmad and the latter ones. Contrary to that, as you have here. So, they claim that the Sunnah documentation was delayed is rejected, and the evidences stand in opposition to that, and its documentation was known in the first half of the second century amongst the scholars, where it was then very hard not to find for these scholars classification or compilation with chapters in hadith this is concerning the first point we go to the second point the weakness of memory the human memory concerning generations. The, the matter would sound reasonable and accepted to the fitrah to the natural inclination of each one of us But the reality mollifies their claim. Especially when it comes to the Arabs in this case. Because the Arabs in their Bedouin life, they depended heavily on the memory, more than writing, much more than writing. In fact, the memory is their record of history. In settling, in residence, and in travel, in war, in peace, in lineage, in... Holmes Ibn Shahab al-Zuhri said, Mastaudatu qalbi shay'am kat I haven't settled anything in my heart or put anything in my heart and I forgot it. Ibn Abdul Barr narrated that Abu Musa used to narrate to us the hadith so we started writing he said do you write what you hear from me we said yes he said bring it so we brought it he washed it away and he said take in memory from us as we did Ourselves. This is the penetrating memory which the Arabs were known for and were distinguished for, and it was one of the sources for the preservation of the Sunnah. Furthermore, the narration of the Sunnah was not limited only to memorization. So that we may say that it may be touched by the lack of memory of someone. Rather, it was also narrated by the practical approach, by application. And that by itself was suffice to related in security and trustful, trust, trustworthiness and sincerity. Because compliance is much more settling and continuous in memory than the memorized sayings. So, actions and applications were the foundation in the in the relation of the Sunnah, in relating the Sunnah and its narrations. And the writing and documentation is another extra thing. Concerning the third point, that the Medanite society in Medina comprise believers and hypocrites. This is a statement in truth, but falsehood is intended. And it is also reflecting ignorance concerning reality. Because if the Quranites would look into the Biographies of the companions and the transmitters of the revelation from its sources, they would find no hypocrite whatsoever narrating any affirmed sunnah. Let them mention to us the name of one hypocrite who has a narration. One narration in the books of Hadith or the compilations or the books of Sunan not to mention the authentic compilations. Not only that, let them mention someone even upon whom there was even slightest doubt of hypocrisy. The Sahaba were the Sahaba and the Munafiqeen were the Munafiqeen. The Sahaba were the companions and the hypocrites were the hypocrites. And what a difference between the two. as to the fourth point that you know what is going to make us sure because truthfulness and lying is from the hidden matters so how are we going to know of the truthfulness of the narrations and the narrators the response did the presence of the books of men books of men, Kutubur Rijal, and the science of critique. Did this really tell you something? Were well, not their presence the safeguarding mechanism concerning the trustworthiness of the narrators, checking the truthful from the liar, to serve the Sunnah, and if we submit to this delusion So what is the barrier that can prevent the Muslims from rejecting even the book of Allah and to cast doubt even about it the narrators are the narrators and their trustworthiness in narrating that which is related to the book entails their trustworthiness in narrating the sunnah and making difference between the two by this lowly trick cannot be acceptable by the intellect nor by the natural correct fitra, nature. concerning the issue of the human emotions strict strict mechanisms for rejecting the narrators were laid down and that's why the ulama, the scholars of hadith and particularly those checkers made it incumbent upon themselves to mention the defaults the faults and the weaknesses of men and their defects Concerning the religion, they made that even a duty to preserve the Sharia. Imam al Nawawi said, Imam al nawawi said, Know that criticizing the narrators is permissible, rather, it is mandatory by agreement, because of the necessity calling for it, in order to preserve the Sharia, the honorable Sharia, and it is not from backbiting, it is rather from the advice to Allah and his messenger, and to the Muslims. An Imam Muslim had even Much greater details, but the point illustrated by Imam al Nawi is enough, and for those who want to know the words of Imam Muslim, they can go to the introduction uh, of Imam Muslim in his book. So what prompted the checkers was the keen interest in preserving the deen. And that's why we find that Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim narrated for some people who fell in innovation like Abdul Rahman, Al-Hamani, and others because in, the, in terms of the narration and the conditions of narration, they fulfilled it had it been a human emotion step, they would have rejected them based on emotion against them But that was not the criteria for the checkers of hadith. Because what is basic to them was, anyone who denounces anything which is consecutive from the sharia, known that it is by necessity from the deen, his narration will be rejected. And if the narrator does not subscribe to this de- denial of anything from the Sharia, if this condition is met and his precise account is known, plus his fear of Allah and piety then they found no hesitation of accepting his narration. Nothing to do with emotions. Mikeum inshallah I will try to add some other points inshallah at a later time to finish the rest of this uh, last uh, misconception. And then after that, we will go and talk about the methodology of the Quranites in their tafsir of the Noble Quran. Okay, and Inshallah, uh, uh, this. Uh, no, this is going to be uh, in the next couple of days inshallah ta'ala we'll finish the uh, rest of this of this point it's going to take inshallah about 10-20 minutes later in addition to this I mean and then we will go to the second matter which is the methodology of the Quranites and the tafsir of the noble Quran wallahu ta'ala a'la wa'a'lam wa sallallahu ala muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam those who had missed the